Hello there, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of PageCast, a podcast brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers. Through conversations with authors, we aim to explore the thoughts and ideas of their writing, bringing you the story behind the story. I'm Mariam Adams, the co-producer of PageCast, and I'll be hosting today's conversation with the lovely Scarlett Braid, author of The Hive, her debut novel, a psychological thriller that will have you sitting at the edge of your seat throughout. Thank you, Scarlett, for being here. So happy to be here. It's amazing to be able to sit here and have this wonderful conversation with you, Marianne. I want to start by having you read a little bit of the blurb of the book, Scarlett. I think it perfectly sets the tone and I think it gives us a bit of insight into the themes that you address in this book. Sure, I'd love to. Charlotte Goodwin looks directly at the camera and reveals a chilling truth to the thousands watching her Instagram Live broadcast. She has killed her ex-boyfriend's new partner in cold blood, but she is not finished yet. The viewers must now vote to decide whether he should live or die. In this book, you explore these themes and notions of social media from the power of influencing to what it means to be seen and told space online. Tell me, Scarlett, what drew you to this topic and what made you decide to write this book that reflects just how hyperfixated society can be when it comes to social media? Well, I think you put it right, exactly. We are so fixated these days on social media. We upload most of our lives online for everybody to be a part of it, to watch it, to view it, to make comments, to have opinions. And I just thought in some way that these people that we don't know that are having so much influence on our lives could actually affect us mentally. So I wanted to create a book with the notion to be kinder online, to highlight the dangers of mental health and social media. And The Hive, I think, perfectly explores the darker side to social media. Absolutely. And I think you've also explored this idea of how your entire life can change overnight because of social media. Has there been anything in your own life that sort of um, brought you close to the story? I have actually gone through my own experiences with social media. I believe we've all, you know, been through bad breakups and things, but it's all a, it's more real when it's on social media and there is a lot of people that have opinions. So when I had my own relationship and it ended up being very public and on social media and having people make comments and have their opinions about our relationship, about why we broke up, it kind of sparks the idea for the hive. It's heartbreaking that you had to experience something like that, but it's definitely led you to create something so important for us as a community. So social media, not only is it a topic and a theme that you explore, but in the book itself, you have every few chapters, a sort of like an Instagram post, and you have all these comments listed under each post. And I wanted to ask you, what was that like? The style of writing, it's short, it's sharp. It's often very in tune with the lingo and very current. I was online constantly. Um, I'm quite active on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram myself. So it, when it came to researching what type of comments I wanted, the different opinions, I had quite a lot to go by. It was quite easy to get online to do that research, to make it as real as possible because I wanted the story to be relatable. I wanted everybody to be able to appeal and relate to it in some way. So I wanted to write that 
particular text in sharp, small passages that would hook the reader and also find out, like, also that they could relate that I write like that, I've made a comment like that, or I've seen a comment like that online. So I really just wanted to explore the modern text that we all seem to use these days. It's not an easy style to communicate either when writing. No, it wasn't. But at the same time, I wanted, I wanted it to be as relatable and as real as possible. And I think the more I got into it and the more the characters started to reveal themselves was the more you, the more I could put into the story and the more opinions I could put in there. The Hive was like a third narrator kind of form for the book. So I loved it. Absolutely. And I love that idea. I love it's like Big Brother watching and reporting <laughs> live and everybody you have your say. My favourite comment on one of the posts was, and I quote, here for the comments, lol. <laughs> it just felt so relevant I think you see things like that all the time I think a lot of us forget when we put something on the internet it lives forever so I really wanted to highlight that and just again make us aware of some of the dangers and just make us think twice about posting something especially if it's mean or something hurtful that could possibly affect somebody else okay so what stood out to me most in this book and it really took me by surprise, was the grand love story shared between this group of friends and the sister that they have. Charlotte, Poppy, Zaheen and Trix. These women look out for each other, they stick around through thick and thin, their bonds are rich with both trauma and pure fun and joy. Tell me a little bit about what it was like writing their story for you and was it intentional or did it just come to you naturally? I would love to say that it wasn't intentional, but um, I have my own very strong girl pack of friends and they were just so much of an influence on the hive in the sense of we had had so many late nights talking about boys and careers and life and things that may have been troubling us. And I wanted to make a story that wasn't a thriller, that wasn't just dark and gripping, but also had some morals in it and also had some friendship and laughter and I think the girl group really added to the funfair of the whole thing I think it really was an amazing element that made people realize that you know despite what somebody else may be going through they still do have their support system at home and those those group of friends or whether they be family or people that know them or loved ones are the people that really know what's going on and really support one another and it was just amazing to write. These characters, they practically wrote themselves. They were amazing to write. They just had their own life, their own personalities, their own way of doing things. And I wanted to include different women from different backgrounds and different ethnicities because in London, that's exactly what it's like. And I know with my own girl group, we're very different ethnicities. We're very from different backgrounds, but somehow we're all bonded by the fact that we live in London and we've been to the same schools and shared the same experiences. Yeah, I thought I just thought it was so beautiful and so consistent as well throughout the story. At what there wasn't one point in the book where they just didn't care for each other or throughout all the ups and downs they were always <laughs> holding each other up, and I think that's super important. Now I have a little bit of a spoiler. And dear listener, if you have not read the book yet, close your ears for a few minutes. <laughs> it would be remiss of me not to ask, but why murder? 
Towards the end of his quest for revenge, Charlotte holds all the cards. She has the evidence to take Link and Eddie down for once and for all. What fuels this desire to take revenge in such an absolute way? I think for me, it was the vote. It was the vote element of it having the internet decide whether he should live or die. I think that was such a huge part of the hive. It was the fact that she had taken it out of her own hands and placed it in the hands of the same people that made Lincoln famous, that made their love story so famous and so tragic online. They gave them that story, so it was kind of therapeutic or kismic to make them decide whether he should live or die. And when it got to the element of them being split on the decision, on being the 50-50 vote, she took the decision and said, you know what, no one cares if you live or die, so I'm going to be selfish and have that moment for myself and take that from you because that was my revenge. I mean, of course, throughout this, uh, leading up to this, we saw a woman slowly unraveling. So yeah. someone like just completely losing control of who they were. What was that like, writing that um, experience? Um, it was sad at times. It was a lot of research. It was a lot of putting myself into that position, asking myself how I would feel and asking other women that had been through loss how they felt. And it was sad at times to know that people could actually be affected so much by comments that were online and how much that could really affect somebody and make them unravel. So I really wanted to depict that that unravelling of what happens behind closed doors. You've written something online and why you may think it's a joke and it's something flippant and it's, you know, something nobody else will read. It lives with the other person and it slowly eats away at them. So I really wanted to depict that just to show the dangers of what could happen or what has been happening behind closed doors. And I think what you've done is you've shown that sometimes it looks very normal um, and sometimes you don't even realise it's happening when it does. I think, you know, depression can be a very lonely affair. And when people don't understand exactly what you're going through or you look as if you're happy on the outside, people can take that as you're fine or that you're strong or that something doesn't affect you, but it can be affecting you on the inside. Absolutely. So the first thing that came to mind upon finishing the book was film adaption. I won't put you on the spot here and ask you about possibilities, but I will ask you who would play your dream cast? Because this is just such a fun story. I mean, it's a thriller and it's, it takes a psychological toll, but from the friendships to the love to the social media element, it's a fun story to bring to life. So Scarlett, what is your dream cast? Oh my God. Um, I've actually never been asked this question before. <laughs> of course I've thought about it. But I have actually never been asked before. Um, I think for the girls, it's it's such a hard decision because I would want them all to have their own, to stay true to the story and also have their own personality shine through. I loved watching Bridgerton, um, the new series when it came out. So I would definitely probably pick some a few actors from there. Um, but it's it's just something I've never really given much, much thought to. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
Oh, but that's lovely. And, and I must say Bridgerton is the perfect place to go sourcing. <laughs> yeah, to go sourcing, but I've never actually given much thought to the actual cast of it because at the moment it lives as a book. And while I would love to see it be a movie or to be a TV series, at the moment it lives as a story. And I just think it's so important that we read before we get to experience the visuals of it <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay i could ask you questions all day but a few of our bookstagram readers have sent in their questions that they are dying to know the answers to so first up we have a question from Anne marie to also known as at annie and her chapters so she wants to know scarlet you drop breadcrumbs regarding charlotte's propensing for seeking justice throughout the book, whether it was Z and Poppy's father or the blade against Michael's note referenced by Trix in passing. What happens with Link and Heidi? However, ramps up the vigilantism to another level. How did you think about building the side of Charlotte's character? A streak that was always there, something developed and owned over time and through circumstance? I think for me, when it came to building Charlotte's character, Charlotte was a very complex character. She was a very complex individual and she had been through so much trauma in her life, whether it was her mum that left her at such a young age by committing suicide um, or her dad that just was never a part of her life. It was always that she had such a traumatised background. And when it came to dropping those breadcrumbs, I wanted to show that while she always had kind of a dark streak in her, it was always in her mind justified. It was always out of love or protection of another person. So I feel it was important to make her dark, but to also give her some justification or some heart behind it and a reason why she was doing these things. And then Roseanne Vasaki. Um, her Instagram handle is Roseanne underscore Pisaki. She starts by noting that she really likes the way you connect with social media and mental health in your story. And then she would like to know, what kind of advice would you give anyone that experiences the kind of pressure Charlotte experienced because of social media? And I mean this, as you said, it's something that you've grappled with in your own life. What would you hand down? What would my advice be? My advice be would take some time offline, <laughs> deactivate the accounts for a little while, go away, just have some time offline because while the internet may live forever, you, the hype won't. So while you might get your 15 minutes of fame, it will, it, they'll move on pretty quickly to another thing or another story or another scandal that they can sink their teeth into. So my advice would just be to take time offline and wait until it dies down. And then when you do return, make sure you return with positivity and light and just in a way that is graceful and true to yourself. What is the longest amount of time you've spent offline? Probably, I would say, about six months. Initially, oh, wow. after my breakup, I did spend a lot of time offline. It was, it just, it wasn't a fun place for me to be. Um, so I decided to spend a little bit of time offline, got my head together. And that's kind of how The Hive was inspired. It was kind of like writing a painful love letter to myself at first. 
and it slowly expanded and became its own story and took on its own set of characters and before I knew it it wasn't my story anymore it was the hive it was its own story and I just wanted to share it with the world so since sharing this book with the world and picking up these pieces do you feel like a changed person in a sense do you feel like you've overcome this breakup and everything that you went through <laughs> I definitely do I feel like I'm at peace and that's a very it's a very great place to be when you can let something go and forgive the other person and forgive yourself and move on in in a graceful and happy positive way it's it's an amazing feeling and I would say to anybody that's thinking about writing a book or has been through grief or a breakup or even happiness or whatever they may be feeling to pen those emotions and hopefully one day share those stories with the world. So that actually segues perfectly into the next question, which is from Courtney Wesley of At Courts Bookshelf. She has two questions for you. Firstly, the book centers around social media and the impact of having your life on display to the public. Now that the hive is out in the public sphere, how do you deal with the multitudes of perspectives and opinions on your creation? I will say I do not read bad reviews. <laughs> I try not to read really much reviews at all. Um, not because I don't like what readers have to say, but it's just that it can affect you as a writer when you read negative reviews or in your next project you might try and implement some of the things that they've suggested but that's the thing with writing it's a very personal affair you have to have your own voice you can't write from someone else's perspective or write what somebody else wants you to write you kind of have to stay true to yourself so I just try and stay away from anything negative online. And while I do use social media, I don't make it an everyday part of my life. I try and keep a lot of my private life, a lot of my family life separately and just showcase the parts of myself that I want to share. It's so nice to have that control over how you are perceived. You're, you're actually busy writing the second novel now, yeah. I believe. Is yes. this going to be a sequel to The Hive? No, unfortunately, it is going to be another standalone. Um, I know a lot of people have asked me that question, will it be a sequel to The Hive? And maybe one day, maybe one day I'll pick up the strings of those characters and see where they are and where life has taken them in the distant future. But right now I'm focusing on something completely new, completely riveting, and I hope readers will love it just as much as they love The Hive. Oh, wow. Is it going to be a thriller as well? Yes, it will be another thriller, um, but a different place, a different setting, um, somewhere hopefully abroad. So we, we are working Ooh. with some really amazing, amazing ideas and concepts, and it's slowly coming together and just creating the perfect story. Oh, that is just so exciting. Um, and what a treat hearing you, hearing you share that with me. <laughs> Um, so the book tackles a number of difficult subjects and the protagonist goes through many significant life events throughout the novel. Building on this, I'd love to know which scene was the most difficult for you to conceptualize and write. I mean, from my side, I think I know, I know which would have been the most difficult for me, yes. but I wonder if, if we share that. Um... Um, yes, it would definitely be the accident scene. I think that was probably the most difficult to write. 
And surprisingly as well, also the aftermath of it, the few chapters after it happened, um, the funeral scene, which was particularly touching. I, I still can't read that scene without almost tearing up, which is so strange because I wrote it. But it's, <laughs> it's as such a scene that it really showcases as well what Charlotte's going through, but also how much the girls love her and how much they are there for her and how much they are willing to carry her burden with her. And I think that strength and that friendship is it's inspiring. It's, it's just amazing. And then we've got one more question from another bookstagrammer, Tanith Hesterman, also known as at Tanith, just another chapter, would like to know about your take on social media. She says, what made you decide to have the main focus of the book be about revenge rather than drawing on the focus and awareness on loss and grief that Charlotte experiences? And I think this is nice following up from speaking about the accident and the funeral. Yes, it's a great question. Um, and while I wanted the story to initially be a love story and a tragic love story, the revenge element came into it because I wanted to highlight the dangers of social media, how far people will go when they are broken, when you take everything from them, when the worst things have happened and they've been trolled online, how far it could actually go. And of course, these are hypothetical circumstances. <laughs> I just wanted to highlight how far and how far we could take it and how far we could push it, the boundaries to say, hey, these are the things that could potentially happen if you push somebody too far or they've broken their spirits too much online. So that was the motivation behind adding the revenge element. Um, in the aftermath of the big vote on Instagram, there's a little comment about how there have been so many copycat murders following, <laughs> you know. Do you think that, or in your research, firstly, have you found this, this as a form of murder, as, as something like this happened before? And what does it say about us as a society if this huge tragedy that you've written has become a sort of copycat train? What, is that, what does that mean for us? And where are we going with social media? I think societies these days, we need to be very careful with what we upload and what we put online, our, our locations, our things like that. And I think we are so much more free with our privacy, which other generations before us weren't. They were. We, they didn't have the the technology that we have today to be as open with our emotions, with our locations, with what we do, what we see, what we eat. So for me, I really wanted to highlight that. I really wanted to show everyone that these are dangerous times. You know that we live in. It's a very different time. We are the guinea pigs. We are the experiments of social media and whether we'll thrive or whether we'll, we'll think will depend on what happens to us as a generation. And I think it speaks a lot for our society to know that we, we will watch something online that isn't particularly great or positive, but is more toxic and leans towards the more horrific things that people could do. And I think it says a lot online that people could copy cat something like that and while I haven't heard of anybody particularly doing what Charlotte had done <laughs> uh, if that fear still remains and it's still a fear and it's still a warning and in many ways the hive is a warning to say hey 
step back, take a moment, analyse what you're writing online, what pictures you're posting, how much of yourself you're putting online, and just ask yourself the question, is it positive, is it effective, and could it hurt somebody else? I think we all need to be a bit more kinder online and just take people's emotions more into consideration because at the end of the day, we're one big society, we're one we're all the same. And if we all just remember that we're all the same, we all suffer from the same things, the same trials, the same tribulations. We all go through heartache and sickness and we all feel hungry and sad. If we all take that into consideration more and humanize each other instead of trying to tear each other down, I think it would build us up as a strength in our community and not be our demise. Oh. That is just such a beautiful, heartwarming and memorable point to end this conversation on. Thank you so much, Scarlett, for joining us. Thank um, you so much I'll for definitely, having me. <laughs> I'll definitely remember that. Be kind. Be kind on social media. And I hope that um, many of our listeners um, remember that. And I hope that um, people continue to buy your book. It's fantastic. It's fun. Um and it is available in bookstores all around the country. Thank you so much, Scarlett. Thank you for having me, Marianne.